This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. Nerd Wallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation. Find your next credit card or loan for a big purchase and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Welcome to Country Not Country, Season 3, Episode 4. I'm your host, Nick Russo. I hope you have had a pleasant time since the last episode. If you haven't had a chance to look over the episodes of Country Not Country, please check out the interview with Annie Basco, also the interview with Sam Hunt. Both were some of my favorite interviews we've ever done, and a new trend starting here on Country Not Country is we're recording artist podcast in the Odyssey Live Lounge here at our Bull Studios. The performances and everything are all included, and then I'm adding them at the end of this podcast today. We've got a great guy named Drew Baldridge who's going to join us. He came to town. He's a country artist out of Illinois, real small town, and he is independent right now. He's just kind of making the rounds, promoting himself to radio stations all throughout the country, and he once had a record deal, and that was around 2016, 2017, might have been a little bit later on. He had signed to a deal and then later was dropped from the deal. He talks about that in the interview, and he also talks about how he has put together a team to help promote his current single, which is She's Somebody's Daughter. It's created over 100 million streams online. It's massively popular. We have an interview with him at the end of today's episode of Country Not Country, also a live performance. He performs a couple different songs we actually break into it while we were kind of still doing sound check so you hear his version of baby got back the country version he plays that and also that interview is done in front of a live studio audience which uh, was comprised of some of our aes here at odyssey houston Big thank you to uh, the folks in the west wing so the west wing is a section of the floor i should say here at odyssey houston and there's two banks of cubicles that we have for all the employees and most of the employees that i speak of are account executives they handle the advertising and marketing of the radio station and then myself and a couple others are the on-air programming people who kind of sit amongst the account executives now we have two different wings one's on the east side of the building there's on the west so that's why we call ours the west wing and it's just a really cool energy really cool vibe and the east wing is awesome as well just in case they're listening i don't want them to feel some type of way because i know the west wing is going to listen so a uh, big shout out uh, to jay michaels who sits in front of me brooke ayers behind me Bruce nickel knuckles behind her and then bob merrill the tall man in charge and then of course we got tori espravoa and then marla can't remember your last name i'm sorry marla marla's new uh and then gia who sits right in front of her and then carla sits in front of gia so that's the west wing and just the other day we were talking about love is blind and i thought i was on lonely island at first with this because i didn't realize almost the entire west wing has watched most of love is blind or at least some of it or all of it which was awesome because i got to share with them my thoughts on it and i couldn't really share it online because i i felt like i was too close to too many of the characters by the way if you listening are a character on season five love is blind by all means 
reach out to me on Instagram. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to have you on the podcast. I'd like to pick your brain. I don't know at all what you're really allowed to say or not say. Seems like this episode or this season was a little more controversial. I don't know. It just seems like it was a little weirder. Like the, the feedback online was that it was kind of a kind of not the best episode. But I also think that people say that about every episode or every season because I've only – okay, so – point of this is i'm going to do the 10 takeaways from love is blind season five i'm going to give my opinion finally i haven't given it publicly because again i was too close to too many of the cast members and i felt like if i did that people's feelings would get hurt at least in short context so like if i had just said my opinion about a b or c that happened during the the show it would sound like i was being a dick and i didn't want to come across that way i will be critical but i didn't want to do it in short text i want to do it in long form plus i had a podcast so it made sense so all that to say um Forgot where I was going with the whole point of Love is Blind, Houston edition, why it's kind of messy. Because it's, oh yeah, I was talking about how my own experience with Love is Blind. So I watched one season, I think maybe the first season, on my own. I was like, okay, this is kind of, let's see. Let's see if this entertains me. I watched it. It was cool. Uh, I dug it. I enjoyed it. So then um, a couple seasons later, I hadn't really kept up with it. And I was dating a girl who wanted to watch it. So I was like, I'm down. I've seen one of the episodes. I can handle this. We watch it. We both kind of got hooked. It was a great, great season. And I believe Brendan was the name of the one guy. And I forgot her name off the top of my head right now. Um, but uh, I met them actually in Dallas. So it was one of those just kind of random moments for me because uh, I was looking across the – I was looking across – I know Lemieux is their last name, so I'm going to look it up here. Okay, Brendan, Lemieux. It's got to come up pretty quick. There it is, uh, Brendan Lemieux. Okay, so there's a hockey player with the same name. Um let me type in love is blind. Sorry that I'm Googling this, um, but because of the Joe Rogan podcast, I know I can get away with it. Oh, yeah. Brennan Lemieux, not Brendan. So it's Brennan Lemieux. And as Instagram loads it up, I'll find his. Oh, Mrs. Al- Alexa. That's it is Brendan and Alexa. So they were at, in Dallas at the Luke Combs show and they were sitting or standing in the same room. And I was looking over. I was like, man, why do these people look so dang familiar? I was just trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. And then it hit me. I was like, wait a minute. Those are the lover, love is blind people. They're the couple that made it. So I went over and introduced myself. They were super kind, super cool. Um, and just kind of short, you know, they were in a, another conversation. So I kind of felt like I was interrupting. So I stepped away. And then Brennan actually came over and was like, hey, man, didn't mean to be rude. Uh, you know, my name is Brennan. Nice. He was just the nicest, coolest dude. And Alexa was super cool. We went and partied in their VIP section at PBR, which was insane, by the way. My gosh, that it was insane. Like, I had a blast. I couldn't believe – my eyes could barely believe what we were seeing. We believe everything we see for the most part, but it was really great time. Needless to say, um, that was the only time, two times I'd watched Love is Blind before Love is Blind Season 5. So Love is Blind Season 5 is based out of Houston. So that's this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
Nerd. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. Nerd Wallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable, fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation, find your next credit card, or loan for a big purchase, and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app the real sort of draw for me and i was like oh well if this is in houston maybe the backdrops will be in houston and there'll be cool things about houston in there you know so i i wanted to do the top the top 10 things from love is blind now these are not in order because i don't want to put importance or value on one or the other so that's the that's one of the takeaways that i want to make sure um i express in the beginning number one the Houston skyline. The Houston skyline looked so good from so many different angles. The drone footage was awesome. Even even like Westheimer and Richmond or Westland and uh Rich excuse me, Westland and Westheimer, it it was so nice. Like I get it, River Oaks is is known to be really nice, but let's be real. It's kind of stuck in nineteen ninety-four, right? Like it's nice, but it's just, it is what it is, right? The roads aren't all that great. And I mean, the buildings are nice. The lights and stuff are all cool, but they made that area look so cool. And I, we work really close to the place, like the novel, I think was the apartment complex that they lived in. We, I am literally a quarter mile away right now as I record this. So I, I really thought it was cool how they made Westheimer and River Oaks area look real, real giant and massive. And they made the skyline look great. So that was really cool to me. I, I just thought that, um, I thought seeing Houston displayed that way was really cool. The shopping centers looked really cool. The date nights looked really elegant and stuff. So, so big shout out to, to Houston and the skyline for having a great aesthetic. Cause that was to me, the number one star of the show. No disrespect to anybody on the show. I'm just saying Houston over everybody, right? So um, number two, Izzy, my man. I I may have met Izzy at some point in my life. Izzy strikes me as a person that I've run into at a bar. He's been friends with my friends. He was with the group of friends I was with, or I showed up, met a group of friends, and Izzy was part of the group. Maybe he's come to Rowdy's before. I'm not 100% sure, but something about Izzy tells me I have met him before. Like, I really believe that when I saw him. Like, man, I know this guy. So I I will tell you my connections, right? Because there's a lot. Izzy was, without a doubt, my most connected cast member, I should say. Not the closest connected, I don't think. Maybe, maybe, maybe the closest connected. You can decide. I'll tell you how I'm connected. So Izzy is from Corpus Christi. I lived in Corpus Christi for a long time. I don't remember meeting or knowing Izzy. I think I might be a decade and a half older than him, maybe. I'm not totally sure. I don't see how old he was. I might not be a whole 15 years, but I'm, I think it's safe to say that I'm at least eight to 10 years older than Izzy. So um, there's a chance that while I was in Corpus Christi living up my life, he might've still been in middle school or high school. So we didn't cross paths there. So uh, we may have crossed paths in Houston though, because I have a friend of mine who was in a relationship with him. I don't know if they were engaged or not. I didn't really dig deep enough into that, but they definitely one of my friends who I'm friends with her entire family definitely know Izzy very well. Um, and then the other connection is I have a friend of mine that I believe I met through social media when I first moved to Houston, 
Big shout out to Jordan. She's always been extremely kind and nice to me. And I've I've seen her at a lot of events and stuff. But I think the majority of our friendship has happened online. And I actually met her or hung out with her. She came to Rowdy's to hang out for a birthday party. And we kind of like hadn't seen each other in a while. So that was like the first time. And it was around that time that Love is Blind was getting ready to launch. And I had been noticing, you know, when I realized who Izzy was, I was like, oh, you were in all of Jordan's stories and photos and stuff like you were friends with jordan's friend group so that sort of like light bulb went off so as i'm watching like see you know episode one or two i you know i dm jordan i'm like hey jordan is is he on love is blind the friend that's in your stories and she's like yes that's him holy crap wow, wow, wow. right so so there was that connection right so so that was to me that was a pretty close connection because i consider jordan you know a long time social friend and so that so that was like extra close i was like wow that's pretty nuts you know that that I would be that close to a cast member on the show. And so then just recently, another one of my friends, her name's Evelyn. She went to her best friend's birthday and her best friend had posted like a slide of Instagram photos. And in that slide of photos was Jordan. And Evelyn had told me that her friend was at Izzy's wedding on the show. So it was like, just that's really close to me. So anyways, that's my um, closeness to Izzy. So because of that, I wanted to reserve criticism because I, I the last thing I wanted to do was hurt someone's feelings by giving my opinion about what was happening on the show but a I'll preface it by saying I know the editing is a real thing so any criticisms that I have moving forward trust that I know it could be result of editing and I just say that because I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings so if I'm understanding things right after discussing with you know the West Wing stuff that um, they saw on TikTok stuff I saw on TikTok stuff I asked about in real life things I took away from the show. It seems like Izzy and Stacy were all. It was it was almost like I don't want to say Romeo and Juliet, right? But like almost they were. It was a tale of two lives. Like they both lived completely different lives before the pods. Now in the pods, I kind of got the impression that Izzy's personality was that all the women were there for him. And he had to pick which one like that was because he did have several options. And now I also need to throw in this disclaimer. I only watched this show one time through. I didn't go back and rewatch it. So please uh, let me know if I missed something. I'm cool with it. Like, you know, none of this is personal. It's all professional. This is just. And so that was the that was the vibe I got because Izzy had multiple and he was like having to break up with one to date the other one. And and I don't know this for a fact, but I would almost believe that could have been Izzy's real life. Like in real life, because the dude is, he's well built. He's a handsome dude. Didn't seem like he had any trouble finding girlfriends. He had a lost and found in his bathroom of earrings and hair ties and stuff that people he didn't, couldn't remember who they belonged to. And he just kind of collected them. So that would tell me that he's not necessarily not dating. He's not, not meeting people, you know, he's definitely got, I mean, that sounds like a player is he my bad. I'm not trying to call you out on that, but that's like some player stuff, right? That kind of, that's what it strikes me as. Now I do think that the, the dishes, the paper plates, and the silverware thing, like, I, I really don't completely know how to feel about that because I understand where Stacy was coming from because Stacy is not, she's, she's not in her early 20s naive to relationship or marriage or what she actually wants. And I imagine at this point in Stacy's life, she's pretty certain. Like she knows what she doesn't want. She knows what she wants. And then I got a feeling that Izzy kept on throwing up red flags that Stacy was picking up on. And I mean, 
at least from the show, because when Stacy asked about the lost and found, that was a red flag. Like I'm just saying, not saying you can't pull a red flag off the pole. I'm just saying the red flag was there. So you got that situation, and then you bring in the paper plates, right? So I have paper plates. I also have Dixie cups, but I also have glassware, and I have plasticware, and I have silverware, and I have backup plasticware. Now, I think it's just a thing of life that as you get older, you accumulate more stuff. And I think it was more of a sign that over the course of Izzy's life, he hadn't really accumulated a whole lot of stuff. It was just a little bit of stuff. And so Stacy has accumulated a lot of stuff. And so you end up in this place where they're just, it's just tough. It's, it, it, I, I knew it wasn't going to work. I knew it. I knew she was going to say no. There was no way that was going to happen. I saw a podcast interview recently where Izzy was talking about he knew she was going to say no, and he told the directors, and they said, just go through with it anyway. It's okay. And then it happened. And that I get that. You know, I, I, I think it was obvious that wasn't going to happen. I think at the end of it, though, too, Stacy didn't want to hurt Izzy. Izzy didn't want to get hurt. Um, th- that was the other thing that I took away from this season is that they didn't some of them didn't really want to hurt each other that that they were actually kind of worried about hurting each other and then some of them obviously weren't worried about hurting each other which we'll get to that but I I feel like that was the thing and then also um I know that cameras and microphones are crazy like the moment that light camera goes on the moment the microphone goes on things change like even with this podcast I have to try really hard to just fall into my natural self and just talk and not be worried that the camera's on or worried that the microphone's on right and I felt like sometimes Izzy got repetitive on the show because of the cameras and the microphones because he always fell back to the same like 12 15 sentences which they all kind of did they all kind of had their little talking points and stuff that that's that's the way they said what they were looking for or what they liked about them and so that they could exercise their points more clearly maybe is what it what it may have felt like so i felt like izzy was a little too much on the um she knows everything about me like that 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 train was just a little crazy but again editing right so um for the most part oh i got uh, izzy i gotta get you on one other part and i'm sorry i gotta bring it up because it was just weird to me and again this could be editing it could be directing but the the weird scene at the barbecue where where Izzy was talking about, like, telling Johnny that people thought she was shady or whatever, like, that was just the cringiest and weirdest ever. Like, I, because A, I never, I never saw in my watch of the season people hating on Johnny really at all. So I didn't know where that came from. It just felt, it, it just, it was just weird. It kind of gave me the ick. Like, it was, it was almost like the director said, hey, Izzy, we want you to go in there and tell a lie and make things crazy. And so he's like, all right, I'll come up with a lie. And then after having drunk, drank, you know, what I, I'm going to say is he looked a little sloshed in a couple different episodes or at least trying to keep it together. Like maybe went a little bit past the drunken line and then tried to maintain. Um, and, and so I don't know if they directed them to do that, but it was weird. And the whole thing where he goes back with Stacy and they're like teaming up. Yeah, I told her off. You told her off. like that whole thing to me was like, man, that's part of the reason why I never go out really unless I'm working because like, those kinds of ideas and thoughts and personalities like that's toxic shit. And I don't like to be around that. Like if, if if someone that I consider a friend is telling me, hyping me about how they talked crap to somebody, a dude talking crap about a chick to a chick or something like, I just don't, that's not the, uh, inner, that's not the energizing, that's not the energy I look for. Maybe that's a, the, the best way to put it. That's a, that's kind of a, a toxic energy. I try to stay away from. So again, I know it might've been the show, might have been just editing but that was my take on that and um 
And so, sorry to rail on Izzy, but it just, Izzy kind of, you were the, I'm going to talk to Izzy now he's listening to this because I imagine he might, but you were the star of the show. So you become the most criticized of the show, I think is how it happens. Um, at, at least that's what it seemed like to me. Like the camera was kind of always going back to Izzy, always checking, you know, on that story. But also we only had two love stories. We had Milton and Lydia, which by the way, is another really close connection. Now, I believe I've met Lydia somewhere. I've definitely been in the same room as Lydia. I don't know when, I don't know where, but maybe she's just that person who looks super familiar. Maybe because there are a lot of people like that where they look familiar. Now, Milton, he works with one of my friends. I'll say one of my close friends because I, I know this friend through a really great friend. And so um, everybody that I connect Gerardo to is uh, – a, a, a really deep connection and great friends. So um, he and his wife and family have always been incredibly kind to me. And so uh, he he told me on my Facebook page that he actually worked with Milton and that Milton was going by his middle name. Apparently, if, even if you follow him on social, you know his name is now James. And I thought that was a... Uh, I really enjoyed that connection the most throughout the entire show. I felt like I understood because they, they kicked it off on the geologist tip, right? So they were both like, man, we're a geologist. You're a geologist. I'm a geologist. Holy crap, this is incredible. Like, they they were like they their brains connected before everything else and the things that they were like interested in were the same and i think that's a key to a relationship you got to be interested in the same stuff or at least be willing to tolerate the same stuff because if you can't then you're, there's no way you're ever gonna get married let's be real just ain't gonna happen if you're not interested in at least some of the same stuff not gonna happen so i i really thought that connection was a go obviously the uche lydia triangle with Aaliyah, which i will we'll get to that in just a minute i actually had uche listed as three but it just seemed natural to go into lydia and milton so that's where we're gonna go so aside from the weird triangle whatever like i thought milton played it right with the cameras because a little bit of it is playing up to the camera he walked out there and you know he made it look all casual he's sitting on the on the counter but he always sits on the counter but it looked like he was being bros with uche but i think that's just how he was and so it was easy to perceive that but he was just hearing uche out i think for camera time because he knew that uche if he listened to uche it might chill uche out and then lydia could go away and chill out too so i give milton a ton of credit for his ability to diffuse um tense situations i i, I thought it was a little weird they went to talk to uche but again i know there's editing and i know that there's cameras and all that stuff so I, I really think that milton is wise beyond his years he, he he seemed like um he definitely knew what he wanted at least he was proving that or pretending to be but the entire time i thought milton for sure knew how to get lydia and if lydia could get past all the crazy hurdles and obstacles that were between her and uche to get to milton it would work out and then i did see one influencer on tiktok who had a really great point or maybe it was on x aka twitter someone said that Lydia's desire to prove to her ex that she could have a great relationship and Milton's desire to prove his family wrong that he could make great decisions was just enough fuel for Lydia and Milton to make the make it go the distance as if a relationship sometimes can use a little bit of resistance on the outside to push people together to push them forward because sometimes that resistance can be a, a, a point of strength. And so at least from Instagram looks like they're enjoying each other. They're getting along. I, the little fight they had at the Museum of Natural Science, I felt like that was directed also. I felt like they purposely wanted them to talk about something that was sensitive so that they would create that moment so they could create some doubt so that in the end when they had the the marriage work out, they could edit it together to look like they overcame the rocks. Like, sorry, directors of Love is Blind if I'm calling you out, but that's just kind of what I felt about that whole little process. Um, I just don't watch TV or shows um, the same way at this point in my life, I, I know how much of it is fabricated, orchestrated or created. So I try to, I try to pull through the real and then also see the story for how they're trying to tell it. So it seemed like 
Lydia Milton, that could work out. I feel good about them. Uh, he, you know, the the height difference is hilarious, but also I think that's what Lydia needs. She needs a strong, independent man who can make strong decisions. And then whenever she's being a little bit uh, on the on the outskirts of um, excited, she reaches past that point where she needs to be reeled back. Milton can be that center that helps bring her back. So um, kudos to Lydia and Milton. I think there's a strong possibility they go the distance. Now we're going to go into uh, two more. One Okay, JP should be the easiest one. So I got to hop on the air in like five minutes. So I'm going to spend a couple minutes talking about JP. Then I'm going to take a quick pause. And then I'm going to come back and we're going to pick up on Uche. And then we're going to talk about the weddings. And then we're going to talk about um, overall view of the show, dating in Houston as well. So um, let's talk about um, Josh Simmons. So Josh was not on the show a lot. He was on the show, but I don't remember seeing him pop up a lot. I think he was maybe a lot in the pods. Um, not a hundred percent sure. I didn't really do a lot of follow-up. I just wanted to share my closeness to him because it, it's just another sort of random closeness to me. So, um, uh, his mom, her name is Sharice. And Sharice dances at the club I DJ at Rowdy's. She's an incredible dancer. She and George um, are competitive dancers, and they compete all around the world. I believe they actually won a national award recently in um, the Silver Division, I believe. Uh, like, they're incredible. They're great. They always have great uh, suggestions of songs, songs that they like to dance to, and they've just been coming to Rowdy's for a long time. I love watching them dance. And uh, she commented on my Facebook that her son Josh was on the show. Well, I actually know someone who also dated Josh. So, like, one of my friends dated josh too so i now have two people on the show that i have people that dated the guys on the show so it's just it's just another kind of crazy connection and she she kind of shared with me the power of editing the power of direction and stuff and how how much the show from real life kind of differed and some of some of her takeaways as josh had explained to her that you know made or broke the show you could say to speak and you could say and I, i get it I, I know there's not a whole lot they can tell, and I know that that's not the whole story that they're telling either because because they have to edit it. They have to cut it down or else it's never going to make the air. Like they, you, you, you only have 50 minutes an episode for it to do anything. So so that was that was the other – then I got one more I can knock off this list, JP. So that whole scene with JP, and I'm sorry that off the top of my head I can't remember the gal's name. I, oh, I could Google it real quick. Let's see here. So JP was dating Taylor in the pod, and then they go out into – like what looked like Mexico or something. They're on this resort and he is like stone cold, silent, barely answering any questions, looking at her crazy, not really saying anything. And then he makes up this reason that because she had fake eyelashes and makeup when he saw her, that instantly he didn't want to communicate with her anymore because she wasn't real or something like that. It was the weirdest thing of all time. Now my thought, I'm just going to be completely honest, JP respectfully this is just how it feels i don't think i think that you weren't as attracted to her as you thought you would be and and so that was it you were just like trying to find your way off the island man i really think or yet or you got sick that was the only other thing because there was just zero energy coming out of jp the entire episode like the entire trip to mexico i felt bad for the the one girl because she just wanted to have a good time taylor wanted to have a good time and then you got jp just like bump on a log bump on a frog not moving so um that was to me that was one of the most awkward parts i felt terrible for for taylor because like taylor was trying like she was legit trying tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone news in order to secure convictions in a court of law it is essential that we conclusively sports that clock at four Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here 
on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. And And then for him to not even show effort was really weird. It was like, like you know you went on a TV show. Like at the, the least you could do is fake it till the wedding. At least wait till you get back to Houston to break up. Enjoy enjoy it at least for a little bit. Like you're technically you're supposed to be single. She is too. So you might as well just enjoy your time in Mexico, right? Have some drinks, enjoy the beach, pretend like you like each other, at least for the cameras, and then and then go south when you get back home. Like it just seemed really weird. Like I, I think maybe JP had food poisoning and he wasn't happy. It was just something about it. Just it, it really I, I it just was it was my least favorite part of the show, I think. One of my least favorite parts um just because it was so awkward you know you just kind of want it to work out but it doesn't so moving on to the uh next subject uche so uche is another character from love is blind season five that i feel and i'm pretty sure i have met at one point or another in my life and had a full-on conversation with him mainly because the name uche is really original like that you don't hear that and i remember asking him uche oh that's an interesting name what's the background he said nigerian i believe i believe we had this whole conversation i really believe that happened could be wrong could have made all that up in my head, and I'm delusional. But nine times out of ten, conversations I remember actually happened. So part of me thinks because, like, the same thing with Aaliyah, I feel like I met Aaliyah somewhere in my life as well. I feel like I had a full-length full, on, full length conversation with her about life, relationships, and things like that as well. So, and I believe that the Uche meeting in real life that I had was, was a full-length conversation also. I believe we had a, a long talk where I developed the opinion that he was a complicated figure. He had a lot, a lot to unpack. He's very serious. Um, his voice and his delivery was very serious, and you saw that in the pod, right? Uche was the most hard, was the most difficult to understand, I think, of Love is Blind Season 5 because he had the weird relationship with Lydia that existed beforehand. He was so intent on making Lydia seem like a stalker and seem like she was you know, a pain and a problem and this and that. And then the weird way that he kind of uh, came at Aaliyah over the cheating thing. Oh, you're a recent cheater. I know that was like a tagline on Love is Blind, but it was just kind of weird the way he grilled her without even knowing her, and they weren't even really together. It was just strange to me the way like his, his sort of holier-than-thou approach. And Now, I don't think he thinks that that's his approach. I think he thinks that's just his personality and the things that he thinks is uh, is right because it matches with his life, which could very well be true. A lot of people have um, their own personality that works for them throughout their life. And if you try to tell them something's wrong with it, you're the, you're the wrong one. And technically that's literally everybody in the world, but Uche's personality seemed um, borderline narcissistic. And, and Uche, I, I don't mean that in a mean way. We, I mean that from the editing, from the final draft I saw and the meeting with Aaliyah, you know, I understand to me, the point of if you were in love with her before, well, you would still be in love with her after. Nothing would have changed. The fact that she left the show, I get that. But if you really loved her, you'd have been like, man, you know what? That's cool. Let me let me go see what's up. Let me, is she outside? Let me go talk to her. Like that, to me, 
in real love, that's how that would have transpired. It wouldn't have been this, well, let's meet at the restaurant and talk and the cameras come and then you act a little standoffish and kind of weird. And then you get into this weird little quiz back and forth battle. And it just, it just seemed really weird. I think the show and Uche and the directing and editing kind of directed it to make it look like Lydia was a problem. But I think Uche might've been actually the biggest um, factor of problem in the whole thing. Like Lydia seemed... I felt authenticity from Lydia. I could be wrong, but that's what I picked up just just off top. So uh, the Uche situation was super strange. I understand why he didn't go back to the reunion. That makes sense to me. I understand that um, there were some weird text messages on TikTok or Instagram story and stuff. And everyone has been going to their Instagram story to share updates since and kind of kind of answer questions that fans might have had from the uh, the reunion episode, I guess. And they're all free to now talk on social media. So anyways, that's the Uche lineup. And then now I can kind of hop down to the overall view of the show and dating in Houston and wrap up this podcast. I didn't expect to spend 30 minutes talking about Love is Blind, but here we are. So all in all, after watching Love is Blind season five, talking about it with friends, and the fact that it was in Houston finally gave me sort of the environment that's not the right word soil maybe that's not the right word either it, it, it just gave me the framework it gave me the foundation maybe that's the word i'm looking for it gave me the foundation to address dating apps online dating and dating in houston now complete honesty i have not done a lot of dating in houston i have but i haven't some of it's been successful some of it hasn't been clearly i'm not married so the ultimate success is yet to happen I tried the dating apps when I first moved to Houston. My personal experience was it was okay. Enjoyed it. Got some great dates out of it. Met some awesome people. Almost every interaction was positive or good. I never really had crazy interactions. There were never any like psychopaths or anything weird or like I didn't, I didn't find anybody violent. Nothing crazy ever happened, right? If it worked, it worked. There were good dates, bad dates. I had a long-term relationship come from one dating app. I believe it was on Bumble. We dated for a little over a year, which was really cool. That was a great relationship. Just didn't work out in the long run, but it was perfect for that time in my life. I think for both of us, maybe. And I had a couple casual flings on dating apps, but again, nothing ever was was secure. So about, it was before 2020. So I'm going to say 2019, I was on a dating app and I had, um, I had a match, and then the first message was, you're Nick Russo. Why are you on this dating app? And I was kind of like, well, the same reason you are. That's what, That was my initial thought. But then I was like, you know what? Maybe she's right. I meet a lot of people in my day-to-day life. Why should I be on a dating app? So I got off the dating app, right? And I never went back to it. But then I started paying attention to friends who have been on the dating apps for a really long time. Um, Aaron Austin, the former co-host of Country Not Country, she was on dating apps for a really long time. I heard a lot of her stories. I heard a lot of friends of mine, girlfriends of mine, tell me their stories. And I heard guy friends tell me their stories. And I kind of came to this conclusion that dating apps are not it. That's not the move, at least for me. And so let me tell you my philosophy, and then I'll give you the breakdown of how Love is Blind ties into this. So my philosophy is a great relationship can start online, but for the most part, It's always better to meet someone through the regular course of your life. Because if you're meeting someone through the regular course of your life, you're you're living your path, you're living your present moment, and someone comes into it, and then it makes sense. And then maybe your lives coordinate better than you could have realized, or maybe they don't coordinate well, and it takes a little bit of work. But the fact that you met each other while living your life naturally... I think that carries some of the most value. And someone could say, well, I'll never meet anyone because I never go out. Well... 
you know, maybe you answered your own question. Maybe some side, of, some sort of extra social activity is the move rather than just another social activity on your phone. Because that's what I think the dating app. This is this. So I said that piece. Now let me go to the dating app problem. So there's good looking people. There's great looking people. There's mild looking people. There's you know not as socially attractive people. Like I don't I don't know really the right way to express this. But if we're judging by photos, there is a spectrum. There is a, a look on the photo that you're trying to present yourself. You're trying to deliver your personality in so many words or questions or answers. You're trying to poise yourself the best you can to be to, to attract the mate you want to attract. The challenge with that is that, even, that we can never truly project ourselves accurately because we're complex individuals. So when we try to box ourselves into a bio, a few questions, a few pictures, that's just the tip of the iceberg. And if someone only likes the tip of the iceberg, they've got a lot of iceberg left. And and often in the dating app world, the rest of the iceberg is not even cared about, thought about, or even believed to exist. And you end up with folks who, on the, their tip of the iceberg is incredibly attractive. So I'm going to give you a hypothetical scenario here because I don't have like real life examples, but this is really what I believe has happened with dating apps, people on dating apps, and why they are toxic and not the place to go. Because... There are either A, beautiful looking women, or B, incredibly looking men. You know what? I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to start this over. I'm going to try to be as honest as I can. Dudes, I'm sorry. Not trying to out the dudes here, but here we go. Let's just say there is a, a gentleman between the ages of 23 and 34. This guy has money because he's got a great job, went to college, lived the college life. Cool dude, great dude, stand-up family, lots of cool things, loves to have a good time. But more than anything, he just wants to hook up with women. Because maybe for whatever reason, that's either cool for his friends, cool for him, didn't have it when he was growing, whatever the situation is, right? This is what he wants to do. And he gets on the dating app and he's got his good looking photos and the women are lining up. Match, 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 match. Why? Well, because he's incredibly good looking, completely successful, and that is attractive and a mate for a lot of women. So let's just say guy A gets 25 women that like him or match with him, which is very possible. Well, then he goes through and he tries to figure them out. Well, at some point during this process, guy A realizes that some of these women want relationships and he's really attracted to them. So in order to get to the hookup phase, he has to pretend the relationship is on his mind as well, even though everyone knows or he knows damn well that likely it's not going to happen, that he's not in it for that. However... He continues. He goes down this pathway. He goes into this relationship, somewhat misleads, but he does it the best he can to skate around the important questions to never quite lie all the way. But some just like him also lie all the way. They're not afraid of feeling, so they're just going to lie to you straight. Might even live in a double life. That person I just described is a large number of people. It like I really believe that. I'm not saying they all live in Market Tower, but damn, they might. Right. Like, a, like it is a thing. And I know this because women have told me about these men they've met. And then I meet another girl and she tells me about the same guy. 
They've got Facebook pages for this stuff. Are we dating the same guy? So the only conclusion I could draw is that some guys are really, really great at the dating apps. They re- they're really attractive. They really know how to talk to the women. They know the right things to say. But at the end of the day, they don't really give a shit about the woman or her relationship or creating a relationship. So what happens on the other side? We just talked about this guy getting all, the, all this love and all this time. Well, the women who are actually looking for relationships are beautiful, are ready, are ready to go in a relationship. They're looking for something serious. They find this diamond. Wow, he really likes me. Not knowing there's 25 five other in the inbox even if they know there's 25 in the inbox the competition drives them further so you end up with this sort of cycle that never ends you got these women who like these guys and they're all attracted to each other but at the end of the day they're they're hidden intentions and i guarantee somewhere on the line the way i described guy a there's a woman b or woman a who's the same way with men i i I just can't help but imagine it's not because that's what the system is set up for that's what the dating app system is set up for. It's set up for for people to be successful or not successful. There's not really a gray area there. And the people that are stuck in the gray area get off the app. And the people that are not successful are constantly trying to get be successful. So I say all that because dating apps have been around for 10 years now. Some people have been on the dating apps for a decade. And no love, no relationship, casual relationships, narcissistic relationships, relationships that falter, that fall apart. Why? Well, because they were created on a on a false foundation. They're created by a mirage, an illusion of self. And so it really tells me the dating apps are a tough spot to be in because if you're going to go into the dating apps and you're going to go into that world, you might be authentic, but it's a 50-50 toss-up as to whether or not the other person is. Plus, nothing ever looks as great in person as it will on photo, or never looks as great on photo as it does on person, including your personality, including my personality. All of our personalities are meant to be experienced in person, one-on-one. The the digital app, the social media, I think, I think sliding into someone's DMs is far better than a dating app because at least you know it's an even playing field because the dating apps are not an even playing field. The people who are the most attractive are going to get the most attention. The people who are the most attention are going to have the most dates. And then you fall into the chance that the most attractive people aren't actually compatible just because they're attractive. So that's my that's my thing on dating apps, and I, I guess I've met so many women who are constantly swiping. They've been on Hinge, been on Bumble, been on Tinder. They try them all, and it always goes back to this one moment. Aaron Austin, I love you. I'll never forget this moment though. She goes, "Oh look, a new dating app for people who love dogs." She goes, "I wonder who's going to be on this app." The same people, Aaron. The app doesn't change. The same people are all all in the same dating apps, likely also on your Facebook friends list. That was another problem for me. I often ran into a lot of Facebook friends on the dating apps as I was looking through them. And it's like, why not just send her a message if I'm attracted to her? Hey, how you doing? Wanted to say hi. Are you interested? No? Cool. We can still be Facebook friends and move on. Either way, I know that the Love is Blind season five, I know for a fact that some of them are cast through dating apps. And so that's how I tie it all together because that's what I saw in Love is Blind. It was a, the, the season was just as good or bad as any other season. It was just as much watched, maybe not. I think there were some lawsuits that came out of this season as well. But my takeaway was the dating pool in Houston is way smaller than we think. And unfortunately, some bad actors get all the love. They got all the girls because they were good looking, caught a fish, worked out, had a six pack, great job, whatever it was. Whatever the thing was, whatever the things are that, that attracted women to these guys they took advantage of it for a long time they misled women for a long time then you end up with a lot of women who've been misled by narcissistic guys and then you got narcissistic guys who think it's okay so they continue to do it and then there's always someone looking for a new relationship so they're coming back into the dating app and there's always a new one there's always a new one someone new is downloading the app and logging on for the first time and those those guys who are 
the frequent players that are always able to 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 secure the girl, get the match, make it happen. They're just waiting for the next new one. And it's just this never-ending cycle. And that's why I think dating apps are terrible. I won't get involved. I'm not going to have a dating app. If I meet you in person, maybe it'll work. If not, maybe not. Who knows? But chemistry is a real thing. Attraction is a real thing. And that's why I think dating apps uh, just don't work. And that's what I took away from Love is Blind Season 5. So hopefully you enjoyed my rant on on all the things dating in Houston. I've always wanted to tell all the and always wanted to record it, but never thought it would take this long. But there you go. 39 minutes and 58 seconds. If your day sounds like. We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through. You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Seconds, Love is Blind, Season 5. Go watch it if you haven't. If you know someone who's on the show, they, I would love to interview them, bring them on the podcast, and talk about relationships with them if they would be open to it. Next up, the interview with Drew Baldridge. This young man, as I said in the beginning, has, he's not even a young man anymore. He's a full-grown man. He's got kids at home. He's got a beautiful wife. And he's got an incredible story. We're going to let him tell it. You are now going to hear an interview that was recorded live in front of a studio audience in our Odyssey Live Lounge this week. Drew Baldridge, also coming up, will be his performance of the song she's somebody's daughter thank you so much for listening episode four season three country not country the interview starts now in my bed well use me use me because you ain't that average groupie all right we could stop rapping I'm hey that, that was a lot of fun though <laughs> that was the spice we were looking for we good well, to go colin that's how we kick off shows i love it i yeah. mean I love the energy. Drew Baldridge, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome out. We've got a live studio audience. We appreciate you being here and making the time to come hang out. Man, so glad to be here. And uh, thank you for catching us up on your story. It's 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 actually really inspiring. And when I was looking through it, I saw that you're a small town guy. You're from a real small town up north. Um, I'm a, from a real small town down south. Uh, but one of the things is uh, that gives you this sense of um, home and also inspiration for when you're writing your music and it makes it much more authentic. It seems yeah. to me that's the magic for you. You know, I grew up in a town of 550 people. So I graduated high school with 22 kids before moving to Nashville. And it was like, I didn't know it was that small until I moved to Nashville, which was massive. You know, it's not anywhere like Houston, but it felt so big. And I was just trying to drive was almost impossible. But I remember moving and thinking, you know, I would, I'd saw other friends out and songwriters and be like, I'm from a small town. I'd be like, awesome, dude, we can relate. And they're like, yeah, I graduated with like 500 kids. And I was like, that's my town. That's the size of my town. Um, but, you know, I grew up on a farm there with my, my grandpa. My brother still farms it, and we've had the same ground in our family for 100 years, and it just keeps getting passed down. And so, you know, we grew up raising cattle and an FFA and 4-H and all that stuff has been, like, my life. And so I always feel like I've lived a country song, and so when it comes to writing country music and all that stuff, it just it's natural. It just comes second nature. I don't think I could ever do another genre at all i i think authenticity has got to be like the most powerful uh form in the world and so when you're writing those songs about where you're from that's why people are really connecting with them and a part of your story was about an epiphany you had while you were like on the tractor you were out on the land and you realized like wow this is it this is what i'm supposed to do yeah you know you get 
I've been in Nashville for 12 years and I've had record deals and you know you get to Nashville and everybody kind of tells you who you are at first that's what it was for me is like we need to make music that sounds like this it sounds like radio or it sounds like this guy needs to love it and uh, that was a big epiphany but also in 2020 after I lost my record deal and I did uh, I did this tour which I know sounds probably stupid and crazy but I posted on my TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and I said hey all venues are shut down. I'm, you know, I don't have a way to make a living anymore. I've lost everything. I'll play in anybody's backyard that wants to have me. I said, just let me know. And I got 17,000 requests. And so I went around the country for two years and I played in people's backyards and I played over 300 people's backyards. And I literally just in September. So last month I, uh, I did another 20 people's backyard, still honoring some of those people I told her that I would. And, and so it's, it's been really cool and it changed my creation process of like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not making music for labels or whatever that, you know, whoever that is. I'm making music for people and, and it needs to relate. It needs to be real. It needs to be authentic. And it changed a lot for me when I was in those people's yards and I was beating the crap out of them at cornhole, you know, because I got really good at it. Um, or like, you know, it just, it really changed because I was, it made me realize, you know, these people need music in their lives and it needs to be real and needs to be authentic. And that's where my music, I felt like definitely took a change. Well, you know, I spent some time listening to your most recent album and you could really hear the graduation from 2016 to the 2021 release. Yeah. And that was around the time. So was it on this sort of journey that um, She's Somebody's Daughter kind of came to life? Yeah, so it's crazy. So She's Somebody's Daughter is a song I wrote years ago. I wrote it after meeting my wife's dad. And um, I want to say it might have been as early as like 2017 or 2018 when I wrote the song and uh, had a chance to like send it to radio and do that thing back on my old label. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really glad I didn't, you know, God had a better plan for this song that I didn't know anything about. And me and my wife got married in, uh, in 21. And it was always her favorite song. So I went into the studio and I had this idea. I was like, well, I'm going to make a wedding version of this song. Because it was kind of upbeat and it was already out and it was kind of tempo thing. And I always wanted to have more weight and more meaning. So I went in and made just me and a piano and a cello player. And I recorded it. And I'll never forget playing it for my wife the first time. And she's crying. And then I got to watch her play it for her dad. I was like, they did it in their kitchen where she grew up. And uh, her dad has Alzheimer's right now. And so it was really like... It was really hard, and um, but watching them like dance to it in the kitchen was was really cool. And I snuck my phone around the side and like what you know had them have their first moment of dancing to it. But then you know they actually danced to it at our uh, at our wedding, and I sat side stage just like I am right now and cried like a baby because it was it was really cool. It was really it felt like man, I've been writing songs since I was 16 in my bedroom, and I never thought I'd write the song that my wife and future father-in-law would would dance to. And we were on our honeymoon. I'll never forget we were in Hawaii and uh, I got to we she wanted to go to the north shore of Hawaii I guess there's like good shrimp and shaved ice or something so we ran a car for like a million dollars or something it was expensive but so we drive we drive up there and she wanted to get shaved ice and so the line for the shaved ice was like a quarter mile long and I said hey you wait here, I'm going to go make a TikTok. And that made her real happy. And she was like, really? You're going to leave me here to go make a TikTok? And I was like, just going to take five minutes. I'm going to go to the car, the rental car. And I'm going to, you know, we just got married. And so I, I, I went to the car and I think I wrote on the post. I was like, hey, if this gets 3,000 likes, I'll put it out on Friday. And it was, was Wednesday night. I post it. 
never think anything of it. We go eat our shaved ice. We drive around the island. We wake up the next morning. The video has 10 million views, and it has 1 million likes. And uh, the song came out on Friday, and it was like top 25 viral in America and number eight in Norway, number seven in Sweden, and, and trending on Shazam in South Africa, which I didn't even know was a thing on trending on Shazam. Um, but then we just kind of you know, cried and danced in our condo and was just like, I can't believe that our music is impacting people. And so it's, uh, that song has had such a journey and now, you know, it became a daughter trend. It had 300 million plays on TikTok and a bunch of streams. And I had, I had no hand in it. I just posted it and it just did it all itself. Uh, to quote Tracy Bird, somebody had a hand in it. Yeah, so, exactly. For sure. I think so. Well, I think it's a great setup. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, for sure. So you said I was from a small town, and I am in this first song. This was actually the single that we had out back in 2019 when uh, when I lost, you know, right before the record company I was on closed down. And it's all about growing up in a small town. I don't know. We got a small town person right here. We got another some small town people in here. I love it. So I grew up in the middle of nowhere. You know, we didn't have anything. We had to drive. I remember we had to drive a couple hours to, like, go get our school clothes. I mean, that was, like, a big deal, you know, go clothes shopping for school. So this song really makes me uh, think about being a middle-of-nowhere kid. So we got some other middle-of-nowhere kids in here. This song's called Middle-of-Nowhere Kids. This is for the counting down the days. Couldn't wait to graduate. Spray can painted Chevrolet's. FFA patch on your jacket. Now we know what FFA is here, right? Future Farmers of America, baby. That's right. FFA patch on your jacket. And this is for the summer stacking hay and calling shotgun in your first taste of ice cold beer and girls to chase around that nothing but a map dot. And this is for the middle of nowhere kids Thinking that there's gotta be more than this Cause in the dust and the wind and the red on your skin And that one stop of light For all you raised on a John Deere plowboys A song for all you cowboys Yeah, I know right where you live All you middle of nowhere kids This is for the leaving and calling home. Your daddy handing your mom the phone. Man, you miss that first kiss town. That home team crowd miss running around. Your stomping ground since you've been gone. This is for the middle of nowhere kids. Thinking that there's gotta be more than this. And cousin the dust and the wind and the red on your skin and that one stop of light for all you raised on a John Deere plowboys a song for all you cowboys yeah I know right where you live all you middle of nowhere kids yeah yeah nowhere This is for the middle nowhere kids. Man, there ain't nothing better than this right here in Houston, Texas. Come on. Hey. Yeah, I grew up. I grew like you did. All you raised on a John Deere plowboy. 
a song for all you cowboys. Yeah, I know right where you live. All you middle of nowhere kids. Yeah, yeah. A nowhere So judging by your Instagram, your hometown has your back in a big way. Did, did I gather oh, that correctly? Man, 100%. Big bonfire? Yeah, so, you know, like I told you earlier, I did this tour where I went around the country and played in 300 people's backyards, and I called it the, the Baldridge and Bonfire Tour. <laughs> and so I had this idea. It was like 3 a.m. We were driving from um, town to town. I mean, there was a stint where we did 20 of these backyards in 19 days. So I was going from town to town, living in a van, had my tour manager in the passenger seat, and I said, man, how cool would this be if we turned this into, like, an actual festival and called it the Big Baldridge and Bonfire? And so we did just that. We had a, a the Big Baldridge and Bonfire in my hometown just two weeks ago, and I got to bring a, a whole music festival to them. I brought Diamond Rio with me, and, and uh, it was a lot of tears on the stage. Uh, they presented me with a sign that said hometown of Drew Baldridge, which was pretty cool, and um, I... Uh, you know, it was it was awesome to be able to bring that. You know, there was a, the kids on the bus came by and um, they all had their heads out the window seeing the stage because we did it right in the middle of town. And I was out there fixing the stage and doing stuff with the fence. And they all had their heads out like, Drew, hey, you know, and it was just like, it was just the coolest moment because it's like, man, I never got anything like that. We didn't even have a music program. Like we, we couldn't get music. So to be able to bring something where kids can, go out and enjoy music and like legit music not just a cover band down the street but like bands from nashville and around the world and that was it was really special and so we had a, you know the town is 550 we had 2,000 people out there and they were singing every word to you know my songs which was like wow it was it was really awesome yeah they really got your back and i love that yeah you. it's amazing to have a whole village pushing you yeah man it's it is a village, too. It's not even a city. It's a village hall. <laughs> it's small. <laughs> and hearing them sing back oh, your man. song was so powerful because you could feel that they loved it. Like, they loved that for you, and they loved it for themselves and that magic that y'all had together. Yeah, you know, I left that town with 550 people that had my back, and there's a lot of times, like, I don't know that I would still be going if I didn't have them, like, rooting for me. You know, there's been so many times when it's like, and this business is so roller coaster of ups and downs and you know you get the record deal well then you that just the beginning like you got to get the radio single well then that doesn't work then what the freak you do you know so it's like there's a lot of this and so always having the constant of your people rooting for you is like what keeps me going and so you know being at that festival and hearing them sing all the songs back it was it was validation of like hey we're doing something enough to to make these people proud to make these people happy and that's like all that i could dream of it goes right back to the authenticity is it, is it time to make everybody cry yet <laughs> <laughs> man I, I don't know um because if we got to save honky tonk world for the end so we go out on a high note we can right? do that we can do uh, that uh, just yeah. thinking ahead here yeah no um so this is my uh this is my single to country radio and you know this is a song that changed my life and you know s people listen to this song so much and streamed it so much that uh, could actually, you know, start my own label and not even need Nashville in a nice way of saying that. Um, 
yeah, it's 110 million now, which is crazy. Um, 110 million streams and, you know, 300 and some million TikTok plays. And it's been uh, really awesome to see this song mean so much to mamas and daddies. <laughs> and, and girls, like, you know, if you this can take anything away from today find somebody that's going to treat you like you're somebody's daughter and that's the most important thing she's more than just a pretty face in a late night ball more than just a pair of tight jeans sitting in your car she's more than a last call kiss or a one night stand remember boy you weren't the to hold her hand she's somebody's daughter she's somebody's everything she's somebody's little girl even if she's grown up and moved away she's somebody's whole world she's somebody's baby and if you don't treat her right hers won't be the only heart you're breaking she's somebody's daughter She's somebody's daughter. Her daddy bought her her first car and taught her how to drive. Scared her senior prom date under that porch light. Her mama wiped away the tears from a first heartbreak and said, Honey, he ain't good enough for you. She's somebody's daughter She's somebody's everything She's somebody's little girl Even if she's grown up and moved away She's somebody's whole world She's somebody's baby And if you don't treat her right Hers won't be the only heart you're breaking She's somebody's daughter Somebody's daughter. Yeah. She's a picture on a mantle up above a fireplace. She's pigtails blowing out candles on a birthday cake. She's a driving off to college, tear in her mama's eyes. Yeah, she's a daddy's girl. You better treat her right, cause she's somebody's daughter. She's somebody's daughter, yeah. She's somebody's whole world. She's somebody's baby. And if you don't treat her right, hers won't be the only heart you're breaking. She's somebody's daughter. Somebody's daughter, yeah. She's somebody's daughter. She's somebody's daughter. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <clears throat> so so awesome. Oh, thank y'all. You know what I think? I think the coolest part too is getting to uh, see the transition from watching through the screen to seeing you do this here because you can feel so much more in person. And I know I, I can feel it from them that they obviously have always felt it just hearing the TikTok. But then to hear the whole song and the whole story is pretty uh, pretty magnificent. Man, thanks, Nick. It's it's been 
I had, like I said, sometimes when, you know, in 2016, when I'm early in my career, it was just like, I was just writing songs, like, to make them sound cool. And it's like, now to, to have meaning behind it, like, you know, when I got to sing that, not only did I do a festival in my hometown, I also did one in my wife's hometown, like two weeks before, and to like have her dad there and and uh, watch people sing that back and her dad and you know they don't she he doesn't really know what's going on but it's just it's it's really special because it means so much it's not just a song you yeah know? you're creating moments for her and him as well yeah because like the song's depth and the way she knows it's about her so there there is that connection there too yeah and the music video has been so cool because it was our wedding and uh and you know i've had so many people come how'd you get all those actors and did you just replay and i was like <laughs> That's my best friends. They're, they're the ones that stood up with me. Like, it's my wife. And then what I did was I went back and uh, grabbed home video footage of her, like, as a, you know, growing up through life. And so, like, it's, it's a really cool music video. If you haven't seen it yet, I think you'd really, really enjoy that, too. And her dad's in it, so it's something we'll always have. Like, the first time it was ever danced at a wedding with anybody, it's right there. Their moment of dancing to the song together is in the, in the actual music video. That's pretty special, man. You know, and as I told you earlier, you're the team that you've kind of uh, assembled around you to help get the word out on this incredible single, too. Uh, it has worked. They, they've, but hearing the story firsthand, there is no uh, comparison to that. Well, thanks, man. Um, so it's been Thank pretty you. fantastic, man. I really love it. Now, embarking on this challenge, though, there, there has to be. Is there any nerves? Because you seem very calm about it and very, very certain on your, your path. Man, I just think, you know, at first I didn't. I wanted a record deal and it was eating me alive in Nashville because I was like, what else do I got to prove to this community or this town? And, you know, you kind of get one shot in Nashville with the majors. And, you know, if it doesn't work out your first time, they want the new shiny thing. Just being honest, just how it is. And um, so I got to the point where I was like, well, I have all these streams. I'm getting all these numbers. And I'm like, I played my first show after playing from the backyards in June this last year at a festival. And I played it on stage, and a 1,000 people sang it back. And I looked at my bass player, who's been with me for 10 years. And I was like, do you remember ever this happening? He's like, no, dude, never. <laughs> it was the freaking coolest moment. Like, we're finally doing this thing. And I was like, yeah, we're freaking doing it. And so I was like, you know what? We're going we're gonna to send this to radio ourselves. So that's when I, you know, radio has always been my dream since I was 15. It's not to be a streaming artist. Like, that's cool. I'm very blessed for that. But, like, what is my dream is to have a number one hit or a top ten hit. Like, I've never had a top 40. I've had, you know, two or three songs to radio. I've never had a song get out of the 50s. And so um, I've always dreamed to be a radio artist. So I said, screw Nashville. Screw everybody. I'm doing this myself. And so I hired my own team, and it's been real. I think I would be more nervous if I didn't see it working. And there was even times when I was at my, my label my old label, I would wake up on Mondays, and Mondays are crazy for programmers, crazy for radio or labels, because you're like, play my record, play my freaking record. And so everybody gets annoyed. But it's like, I remember waking up on Mondays and getting it Monday being two o'clock and not having any stations play, add my song. And that is like the most disheartening thing ever, because you're like, well, I've been to 100 stations in America. What am I doing? Like, and now with my new team and what we're doing, we haven't had one week where people haven't added our record. We haven't had one week where we haven't had plus strength, like spins. And I think there's going to be a moment when that happens. But like I said, I'm taking everything so much differently of now of like blessings of, hey, I'm doing this myself. If it doesn't work, which it will, but if it doesn't, I'm going to go down and say in 20, 30 years, like I told my wife before I started this, 
this is my goal in life. This is my dream since I was 15 to have a radio hit. I'm going to put, if it costs me half a million dollars, I don't even know where I'm going to get that money, but if it does, that's fine. I'm good with it because this is my dream. And I don't want to look back in 30 years and say, I didn't try. And, Amen. And I can sit here and say, I freaking gave it my all and did everything I could to get on the radio stations. And that's that's why I'm just, I'm not nervous. I'm just happy. I'm really, really happy and, and excited for a shot. So every spin we get, every ad we get, me and my team celebrate in a huge way because at the end of the day, radio doesn't have to play us because we are not a major. Like, we think we have a great song and we think we can be better partners, but it's like, at the end of the day, they don't have to play us, but they are. And that's what's really making me excited. Was well, really admirable, man, that's for sure. And you made me think of a, a young artist named Ryan Larkins. He has a song, King of Country Music, and it's, it's uh, the oh, King yeah, of Country Music. Oh, yeah, I've known Ryan for years. It will always be the song. That's, uh, that's it, yeah. That's it. And it's 100% right. And Ryan and me, we, we write for the same company. We've written for the same company for seven years. And so he's had, his song right there is kind of like My She's Somebody's Daughter. He's had that song written for like five or six years. That's what got him his deal. Now he's working through it, and now I'm so happy for him. We actually, I played the Opry um, beginning of this year, and I took him backstage with me so he could, like, see it all. Because I was like, dude, you're going to be here. You're one gonna... of the purest souls, man. He's just oh, the nicest so dude. The nicest dude. And you should have seen him backstage. Man, this is nice, dude. <laughs> this we, is we, nice. we all got to meet him. Most of us got to meet him when he was here, so I yeah. know everyone can hear his voice, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's just one of the best people ever. I love him. Well, before we let you go, Drew, uh, I, like I said, I was listening to some of your stuff yeah, earlier, man. and I, I live in the honky-tonk for at least 14 hours a week, so um, <laughs> it was right up my alley. So, long story short, not only do I write songs for myself, but I love just writing music. I write at Sony with Ryan, and um, a couple of... Uh, been very blessed to write some songs for some people and last year we wrote a song for low cash their new single which was fun and um a newcomer named bailey zimmerman we wrote some songs with him and for him and uh, chase matthew we got a new song on his record but a year and a half ago brooks and dunn was looking to make a new record and i freaking love brooks and dunn and i was like man if i just sit down and write a bunch of songs it kind of sound like i was like they're gonna record one of them i know they will so I wrote like 20 or 30 of these just rockers, honky-tonk things, turned them in, never thought I'd hear anything. And then fast forward a couple months, I got an email from Ronnie Dunn, and uh, my publisher forwarded it to me. It was like, Ronnie said, hey, I love that song. Put my name on it. Put it on hold. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And by hold, that means, hey, we want first dibs to record it. Don't send it to anybody else. So I'm freaking the frick out. You know, I screenshot it, sent it to my dad. I was like, I got Ronnie Dunn's email. Check this out. He likes my song. And then long story short, he didn't end up recording it, which was super bummer, bummer. But I have all these songs that I wrote for Brooks and Dunn. And I was in backyards and I was playing this one I'm about to play. Uh, and everywhere I went, I just loved playing. Everybody's like, record that yourself. Record it. So I said, screw them. I did it myself. And so we just put the music video out for this about a month ago. It's out on CMT. I know Houston is a country town, but we turned into honky tonk town. Y'all regular honky tonk? When you roll in here, you're gonna see it. If he ain't from here, you won't believe it. Friday night, you know we do it right. And won't you get the taste? It's hard to beat it. No matter what you're drinking, no need to overthink it. Give a hole in the wall, y'all a hole of the main. Come, son, down on thinking about his two steps, long neck. 
spin that paycheck on your baby ride. Now holler loud like a hound dog, sound off. Getting ready, going crazy, scooting them boots till we shut the place down. And it's one horse, three court country song, honky tonk town. Hey! Brooks and Dunn really missed out, didn't they? Screw those guys. Here I go. Rodney's in the corner just a throwing darts. Stacy's on a stool, man, breaking them hearts. Karen's outside complaining about the noise. While the band's on stage picking good old boys. Homegrown grew it. Ain't nothing to it. Same time next weekend. Yeah, you'll know what we'll be doing. Come son. Down. All we're thinking about is two steps, long neck. Spin that paycheck on your baby right now. Hollering loud like a hound dog, sound off. Getting rowdy, going crazy, scooting them boots till we shut the place down. And it's one horse, three chord country song, honky tonk town. Yeah, honky tonk town. Oh, play for them, boys. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That 40-hour working hurt and leave it behind. Loving on you girls, the only thing on your mind. Ain't no denying, got a good time weakness. So we spend Sunday mornings talking to Jesus. Can I get an amen? But come sundown, all we're thinking about is two steps on it. Spend that paycheck on your baby right now. Hollering loud like a hound dog, sound off. Getting rowdy, going crazy, scooting them boots till we shut the place down. And this one horse, three chord country song, honky tonk, slanging door one more. Till it's gone, honky tonk town. Yeah, honky tonk town. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Drew Baldridge. Thanks, guys. Hey, Drew, thank you for taking the time, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Man, thank you. We'll get some photos together. We'll get for this sure. going. Yeah. Love it, man. Awesome. Thanks, guys. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.